This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 133 of the Dressage Radio Show, brought to you with the generous support of Equestrian Collections. Hello, Chris Stafford here with you for another episode of the Dressage Radio Show, which, of course, is a tight time of the year when we start to think about the holidays. They're fast approaching, and during this holiday season, I hope to bring you some fun episodes, not least of all the quiz series that we have each winter. And this year, I'm going to put a different spin on it, and it's going to be between grooms from eventing and grooms from dressage so i'm looking for two grooms from dressage i've got some volunteers already posted on our facebook fan page so i'm in the middle of producing that show and i'll let let you know more about about that but it definitely will be over the holiday season but as we start to think about the holidays we are already hearing of goals and dreams way beyond the holiday season and that of course features the London Olympic Games next year. 2012 is a big year for a lot of our top dressage riders. And not least of all for young Sophie Wells from Great Britain. And uh, we're going to make this week's show about goals and dreams. We're going to hear from Sophie in just a moment. And we're also going to hear from uh, Australian Fiona Deering. She's got some advice on some confidence issues. She has a website called Remote Coach. So we're going to hear from Fiona a little bit later on. But before we get to any of that, I want to remind you about our sponsors here on the Dressage Radio Show, and that is Equestrian Collections. As winter takes a firm grip on many parts of the world, you can experience the difference a good pair of winter horse riding boots can make. In tall riding boot and paddock book styles, thermal winter riding boots will help keep your feet warmer and drier while you ride out in the winter weather or are just working in the barn. Most winter horse riding boots these days come lined with a thermal insulator like Thermalite and a waterproofer like Hydrotech. This integrated insulation and waterproofing approach gives you the best of both worlds, warm and dry feet. When you're out riding in the snow, rain or windy winter weather, you will truly appreciate the difference. And you can find out more about these popular boots and the full range of Equestrian Collections winter wear by following the link on our show notes. Or go directly to equestriancollections.com. And if you use coupon code HRN at the checkout, you'll get $10 off your next order of $100 or more. Equestrian Collections is a participating retailer of the Horse World Gives Back campaign. Well, my featured guest this week is Sophie Wells, the British dressage rider who competes both in able-bodied dressage and para-dressage. She is already hugely successful as a team member, a high-performance member of the British team, and continuing with that success with the choice of rides. Well, I was able to catch up with Sophie and hear about the goals and dreams that she has with the London Olympic Games just around the corner. Sophie, thanks so much for joining me. No problem. Great to have you. Now, we're going to tell your story, Sophie, because you are one of those unique riders that is successful in both able-bodied and para-dressage. Already got medals hanging round your neck. So let's set the scene. Where where are you based in England? Um, I'm based between um, Nottinghamshire and Lincolnshire, 
um, in a just outside a small village. Um, I live on a farm that uh, my dad's inherited, um, so I've always had a really good um, opportunity with the space and the facilities to be able to um, pursue my equestrian dreams, I suppose. Wow. So now, do you have any siblings, any brothers or sisters that are into horses as well? I have a younger brother, but he's uh, he used to be into horses when he was younger, but um, he's, he used to be a fair weather rider. Um, he didn't like getting cold and wet and dirty. And <laughs> oh, dear. Um, yeah, so he's, um, he's at university now doing architecture, so we're two very different people. Right. Well, obviously, you had a, a you know a good country setting there. Were your parents into horses, Sophie, or did you start the trend? No, I pretty much started the trend. Mum had a a pony when she was younger, but nothing serious. Um, and then obviously, Dad's a farmer. He used to farm cattle. Um, but after the BSE outbreak, um, we had to get rid of them all. So uh, now he's just an arable farmer. Right. Now, what are you currently doing? Uh, have you finished all your studies? Uh, I finished uh, my A-levels at school, and then I went on to university to study sport and exercise science. But um, I did a year of it and then realised I couldn't actually um, put enough time into both my riding and my education to do them both justice. So I decided to take leave from university um, still keeping it open that I can still go back if I, if I want to at a later date um, but with 2012 around the corner I really wanted to put everything into it and not look back with any regrets Right, so full time now, uh, trying to fulfil your dream of course getting on that Olympic squad for the London Olympic Games as you said just around yeah. the corner here so uh, let's just go back a little bit Sophie to explain wh- why you're able to do both um, able-bodied dressage and para-dressage because not everybody can do that um I, I suppose I've been lucky growing up that I've always been treated um without a disability I've never been um treated differently because I've got a disability I was always given the same opportunities growing up um to try the same things um to find my way around things um and because um I don't have a severe disability. It only affects my hands um, and then my lower legs. Um, on a good day, I can I can um, do most normal things. Obviously, I've, because of the lack of fingers on my hands, um, that doesn't change. But um, I have nerve problems in my lower legs, so from a day-to-day basis, that can change. Um, thankfully, touch wood at the minute, I've, um, I'm on medication to try and... Uh, keep the, the nerve problems um, more constant um, so I can do more things um, without having any <coughs> uh, pain problems or um, the lack of um, power in them as well. Um, so when I was growing up, I started with um, an able-bodied dressage through the British dressage system. Um, and that was there I was talent spotted by David Hamer, who was the um, manager of the world-class power dressage program. Um, he spotted me and kind of said, have you have you had a look at power dressage? Have you been classified? Um, and I really had no idea about it. Um, and I was only 13 at the time, so um, I was very young in dressage anyway. Um, so I went along and got classified and 
um, I was really lucky to get on the programme when I was 13 onto the World Class um, Development Programme, um, which supported me a hell of a lot, and I don't think I'd be here today without them. Um, but they also gave me the chance to keep my able-bodied side going. Um, I still wanted to compete against the able-bodied people in the country and, and go as far as I could with that. Um, and I felt that kind of pushed me a little bit more and we went got to a higher level. Um, so, And then I wanted to compete internationally and luckily I was given that opportunity by the young rider um, selected for the able-bodied team. Um, and then went to the Europeans in 2010 and 2011 um, to uh, compete for Great Britain um, on the Young Rider European team. And um, I'm just really grateful for the opportunity that um, the selectors, even though I was very different and no one had done that before, that they still um, believed in me and gave me that chance to prove that I could do it. That's wonderful. Well, just explain to us exactly what your disability is Sophie and and how it affects you you said you are minus some fingers um, how does do you tell it tell us exactly how it affects you now in you know normal functioning obviously you manage to ride as capable as anybody but uh, what, what what was the original cause of all this um it's called amniotic band syndrome um it happens pre-birth um and the uh part of the amniotic sac starts to come away and it um restricts some of the limbs in the fetus um, and in my case it was around my fingers and around my lower legs um, so when I was born the doctors were able to save a, a couple of my fingers even if they are damaged um, I lost quite a few um, and I, they also managed to save my feet um, but I've got really deep scarring around my ankles and that's obviously restricted around the tendons um, and muscles and nerves around from running from my lower leg into my feet. Um, so I can't, I don't have any sensation in my feet below the, the scars. Um, and, and obviously that causes the nerve problems as well. Um, so when I'm riding, I have looped reins um, and the loops are on a buckle so we can move them up and down depending on how long I need them. Um, and I just hold the loop with one finger on each hand. Um, so obviously with my horses, they can't be too strong because you know you don't have much um, much power, I suppose, from one finger. And on my right hand, it's only got um, it's short. It's a short finger. It's not a full length finger. So um, yeah, I have to uh, really focus on the basic way of going for the horses to make sure that I can cope with that from one finger. Yeah, it's interesting how horses get used to you, don't they? They seem to read your disability, and uh, it's amazing how you'd form a partnership based on that, that, you know, you have an understanding, don't you? Yeah, I think they're really intelligent animals, and, um, you know, sometimes they can take advantage, and sometimes, um, (laughs) but most of the time, you know, they're very um, understanding, and obviously you have to work hard at the partnership, but... um, I have a, a horse I've had for the past five years. I've trained up um, another horse that I've had for three years, and we've made a really strong partnership. And you know, it's taken time to you know for them to start to understand my way of riding, because obviously it's a very different feel in the contact from having you know a whole hand around the rein 
and then just having one finger that you know there's, there's very little movement in that um so you know it is a very different feel in the mouth i think does this mean then with your disability sophie you have pain at all times or is it controlled with medication um not in my hands i have my, my hands don't cause me pain but it's more in my lower legs um and the nerve pain I was explaining earlier, mm. um, I, that is most of the time controlled by um, a nerve um, blocker drug, um, which is legal, but it 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 kind of it just manages it at a low level. Uh, sometimes it's a lot worse than others, um, and it's kind of it's there's no real pattern to it necessarily. Anything can affect it from stress to um, the amount I've done, amount of walking I've done or standing. Um, so I just have to be really careful and try and manage that, especially when we're away at competitions, um, you know, because I don't really want to be on crutches when I'm competing. Um, so, I, you know, I try and make sure that we're in the best shape by not doing too much, which is really hard. How about the cold weather? Does that affect you? Yeah, the cold weather, because um, my... The muscles um, respond really well to heat. It really relaxes them because when the nerves nerves um, trigger off, it it kind of spasms the muscle. Um, so obviously that's really painful, but the the heat actually really relaxes them. So obviously going through the winter, it is worse, um, and I, I seem to have more episodes where it is bad. Um, so I go everywhere with a hot water bottle and <laughs> um, have to keep my legs up, but. Yeah, it sounds like you've got a management program going there, Sophie. Yeah. And you're clearly a woman of strength and determination to be as successful as you are. But, of course, it all comes with the right partners. Let's talk about the horses that are your best friends and uh, who you're riding now and who you hope to be riding at the London Olympic Games. Uh, I have my top horse called Pinocchio. He's um, 14 years old and owned by... Dr. Jackie and Neil Walker. Um, I got the ride on him three years ago um, after he'd um, competed to a high level in able body dressage. Um, I was very lucky to get the ride on him. Um, and I've built my way up from um, quite a low level to um, he's won me three European gold medals and two world gold medals last year in Kentucky. Um, I've also been to the two young rider Europeans on him. So he's done a massive <clears throat> boost in my career. Um, and I'm, you know, I feel so lucky to have been given the opportunity to ride him. And he's such a lovely horse. He's, he's, although he's about 17 too, he's very gentle. Um, and, you know, he's a pleasure to work with every day. Um, and he's, he's just so kind and loving. How tall are you, um, Sophie? Five foot two. Five foot two. So he's a big horse for you then? Yeah. I, I don't know why I seem to be attracted to the big horses because I've got my second horse. He's also 17 too. Um, and I've had him since he was five. Um, so I've had him for five, about five years now. Um, and I've trained him up and he's kind of been in the background for quite a few years um, while I started my um, championship career on Pinocchio, um, and this year Reese came out and he got three gold medals at the European Championships in Belgium. 
Um, so that was really special for me because I've trained him from the beginning and, you know, it's been all my work and um, obviously the road's been up and down and slightly challenging and he's broken a few ribs of mine and uh, when he was younger and a little bit cheeky. Um, but he's, he's a very big character on the yard and he's um, he's like a playful dog that never grows up <laughs> um, and he'd be the little boy that always is always in trouble for something and um, so he's he's very much a character but he's, he's also very loving and um, we have a really good relationship and he can read my moods really well which is good in one respect but also if I'm not in such a good mood he doesn't go so well so I've got to <laughs> make sure I um, got over all the right vibes to him. Bit of, bit of psychology going on there by the sounds of things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so which of those two would be your preferred rides next year, Sophie? Um, I, I really couldn't say. Um, it's, it, they've, I've obviously been on a really big um, journey with both of them, um, and they're both very special to me. So um, going into next year, they haven't competed against each other for a good year now, so... I wouldn't. I wouldn't know who would beat who, and um, who would be stronger. And obviously, um, anything can happen with horses. So um, I'm hoping to just campaign both of them next year and, and see what happens. What a wonderful position to be in! <laughs> Thank you. You had a fabulous state to be in. I, I envy you that two world-class horses that you get to choose. Hopefully, which one you would ride in Olympic Games. All things being equal, as you said, horses can do anything. So yeah. let's let's talk about the schedule now. Here we are in the end of November. What's your schedule over the winter, Sophie, in terms of competition, and you know the milestones along the way leading up to those games and the final selection? Uh, well, I've just been invited to compete at the FEI Young Rider World Cup final in Frankfurt. Um, from the 14th to the 18th of December. Um, so that's a massive thing for me, and it's the first time a power rider has competed at the final. Um, and only 14 um, riders are invited, um, one from each country, and the FEI have to select which one um, they would like to invite. So that's a, a very um, honoured place that I hopefully am going to take up. Um, well, I wanted to, be... I'm glad you've mentioned that because I wanted to congratulate you on, on that. That's a terrific honour, isn't it? Thank you very much. Yeah, I, I was so surprised when I found out. Um, and and now, obviously, it's um, got a lot of hard work ahead of us to prepare for it. But um, I think it'll be really good preparation for next year with the crowd that will be there and the atmosphere. I think it'll be much bigger than I've competed in before. Um, and a really good opportunity to get in front of the world-class judges um, and just a really nice experience, hopefully, and to end our young rider career. Um, I'm in the last year of young riders now, so next year, technically, I'd be going into seniors. Um, So um, I'm really excited about that. Well, it is an exciting prospect right there, making your transition into the into the big league, the big grown-up league. So what would be the programme that you would have to fulfil then come the new year, Sophie, on your way to Olympic selection? Uh, we have um, several championships uh, nationally that we have to qualify for. Um, we have the Winter Championships, which are held at Hartbury College, um, and we have to qualify 
for those. So we have several qualifying competitions to compete in before we get there. Um, we also have the national championships at Hicksbed, um, which is our summer championships um, in England. Um, so we have several competitions. We have to then qualify to get to that. Um, and then we have our final selection, which is Hartbury International, um, where the selectors will make their final decision. And um, we also have a um, one other international, either Deauville or Marcel, that the selectors will choose probably closer to the time, um, whether they want to send um, each horse and rider to each competition um, for a little bit more experience and exposure before selection. Um, so looking ahead, it looks quite a busy year, especially with two's campaign. Um, but hopefully it'll be a good year. And I'm keeping my fingers crossed that my horses stay sound and healthy and happy in their work, which is the important thing to me. And hopefully then the, the results will come out of that. Extremely uh, promising, as you say. But what is a typical day, Sophie, now for you? I mean, you, if you've dedicated your life to your dressage career, what what is a day in the life of Sophie Wells? Um, normally, well, I I I groom for myself, so I do all the looking after of the horses um, by myself, and um, I have a an old retired horse at home as well as a young horse looking forward to 2016 so I have four horses um, that I get up uh, feed and look out um, and then I will ride three of the horses um, in the morning and over lunchtime um, and then they will all go out in the field for a few hours in the afternoon so while they're out in the field I'll sort of stables out again and um, get ready for them coming in with the hay nets and feeds um, and then sort them out when they come in. Um, and then we have a lot of um, paperwork that normally needs doing and something I really dislike doing. <laughs> um, and normally um, a gym session at some point, um, three or four times a week, um, that I'll need to fit in as well. So you need to work on your personal fitness like anybody, don't you, to be an, yeah. an elite rider? Yeah, I think... Um, personal fitness and the biomechanics and position of the horse is really important um, and I have a biomechanics coach that helps me um, with my position with effectiveness of my body with my riding um, which has helped a lot um, and I think you know to give the horse the best possible chance to ride it's got to be in the best possible position as well um, to be as effective as we can so um, for me that it's really important so Forgive me for asking this, Sophie, but is is personal fitness and person, you know, the core strengths? Is that a challenge for you because of the physical r- restrictions you have in your lower limb? Do you, do you have a tough time for that with that? Um, I wouldn't necessarily say I have a tough time with it. Sometimes training for it is difficult because of the problems with my lower legs. So some of the exercises that I'd like to do, I can't necessarily do because it triggers off the nerve problems or I can't take the weight through my lower legs like I need to. Um, but for my, you know, my core strength is probably one of my better attributes um, that we've worked on a lot. Um, and obviously my lower legs um, can be one of my weaker points, um, just generally because of the training um, 
but it's so dependent on whether they, my lower legs are, are good, if the, if the nerves are working well, and if I'm not in so much pain that day. So a lot of it is very much dependent on a daily basis um, what we wait and see what happens. Yes, yeah, I'm sure, taking it day by day. But, yeah. you know, what you have uh, in terms of your potential and your lifestyle here, you know, has to be supported somehow. And, and no doubt, like, like any other rider, you're always looking for sponsorship, aren't you, Sophie? Is that a challenge? Um, yeah, I mean, we have, we're very lucky in England to have um, the support of the World Class Programme um, and UK Sport um, and the National Lottery. Um, they give us a lot of funding to enable us to commit ourselves 100% to um, the sport. Um, and, you know, we wouldn't be where we are today as a nation without them, whether it be in paradressage um, or any other Olympic disciplines. Um, so we're very lucky with that. Um, I have several personal sponsors that have really helped me um, on my road to, you know, hopefully for, to next year. Um, but obviously getting the financial support is the most difficult um, rather than product support. Um, so, you know, trying to manage financially and juggling that around to support four horses and making sure we're doing as much training <coughs> as possible. Um, and getting as much training with my trainer, Angela Weiss, um, who I've been with for eight years. Um, and she's done a massive amount for me, and I wouldn't be where I am today without her. So um, that's obviously a big, um, where a lot of my money goes into the training and making sure that we're, you know, the horses and myself are in the best shape we can be. Um, and then obviously, um, in my earlier days, my family has been very supportive financially um, in the facilities that we've got at home. Well, clearly those sponsorships are all important, and I, I think you should mention them all because uh, no doubt, you know, that's that's what they enjoy is that association with you. So why don't you give a shout out to uh, your sponsors, Sophie? Uh, my, I am very grateful for all my sponsors, um, which include Dodson and Howell. Limited, which is a feed company, um, Black Country Saddles, um, who support me with both my saddles for my top horses, Asma Equestrian Clothing, um, have given me a, a wide range of clothing to compete and train in, um, and they're very tailored and really good look. Um, Robinson's Animal Healthcare um, support me with the veterinary care for the horses and keep me well in stock just in case anything happens like it does with horses um, and blue chip joint release um, supplement um, which I use on the horses um, and also equilibrium products um, support me with the boots that I compete in training um, and then my biomechanics coach uh, Teresa Dixon um, who supports me with her time to get us in the best shape we can be in. Well, that's a wonderful collection of sponsors. And uh, obviously, you know, day-to-day routine is hard enough for you, but to you you must have an amazing determination, Sophie, to, to fulfil these ambitions. So when we look further than the London Olympic Games, what would Sophie Wells like to be doing in five years' time? Or are, are you going to make this a professional career and get, just keep going? Hopefully. Um, I mean, obviously, um, I, I try and look at things and take everything day by day. 
Um, you know, I've learned in the past that anything can happen, but, um, you know, my dream of competing at Grand Prix and competing on the international circuit in the able-bodied senior teams would be absolutely amazing, but obviously that is very dependent on horsepower and um, financial backing, but, um, you know, I'd, I'd just love to compete somewhere like Olympia in the Grand Prix. Um, we've been there and watched um, for a few years now. Um, and, you know, it would be a massive dream to be able to compete somewhere like Olympia in the Grand Prix. Well, I, I think I saw somewhere that you did train with Vicky Thompson some years ago. Now, Vicky, uh, I knew a long time ago, um, not long after she had a, an awful ha- accident herself, she broke her back, didn't she? And she's since yeah. recovered and, uh, and, and continues in, in the sport. Uh, so obviously she was a role model for you. Who, who, is, who are your uh, big uh, idols right now in dressage? Obviously, Vicky was a massive influence as I started um, dressage. She started training me when I was 10 for three years, so she gave me a, a really good grounding um, in dressage and really inspired me to go on and to be the perfectionist that I am. Um, uh, my trainer, Angela White, is a massive inspiration to me with uh, the way she rides and her connection with the horses. Um, and then I, I look at you know, all the riders on the international teams and I can take something from each and every one of them that will inspire me, whether it be the way they ride or certain um, characteristics that they have or the the partnership with their horses. Um, I think that, you know, it takes so much to be able to get to the top of the sport that every, every rider has, you know, something special about them. They certainly do, and you do too, Sophie. And now as you get ready for a very big year in your career, the London Olympic Games looms on the horizon. I want to wish you the very, very best of luck with that. Good luck with your horses, and I hope you can fulfil more dreams. Thank you very much. And with the Olympic Games in mind, the British Dressage Senior Selection Panel has been extended. They've recently announced that they wanted to encompass, encompass further expertise ahead of those London Olympic Games to make sure they have the best they can possibly offer. And that selection panel is headed by their chairman, Nick Burton, with Sandy Phillips, Jane Kidd, and they will be joined by the former chairman of selectors and international judge, David Trott, Linda Whetstone, a former British Dressage board member, and List One judge and solicitor Simon Hardwick. So really putting all their power behind the selection there for the London Olympic Games, and good luck to all of them. We will be bringing you updates, of course, as the season unfolds, because really things will all start to warm up once we get past the holiday season with selection trials, not just for dressage, uh, but for all the Olympic disciplines. So stay tuned to dressage, jumping and eventing radio shows for updates and uh, news of those Olympic Games preparations. And to remind you, of course, that I will be there next summer covering all three Olympic disciplines on all three shows for the Horse Radio Network. Well, my next guest this week is from Down Under. As you know, we try and cover all 
corners of the globe here on the Dressage Radio Show. And this week, I'm going to be joined by Fiona Deering, who runs a website called Remote Coach. And she has some advice on all kinds of issues relating to riding, particularly at the lower levels of the sport. So I hope this is helpful to you because she has some advice this week on confidence issues. So let's get Fiona on the line. Presumably that remote means you can coach anybody anywhere in the world, Fiona. That's right. And hello, everyone. Um, I comment, I started working with remote coach. Um, obviously, Australia is a very large country and many people don't have access to quality coaching in, in those more remote areas. And I set up remote coach with a view to be able to provide those people with quality coaching via the internet, via downloads, um, phone calls and email. Well, let's give everyone a sense of your background and why you're qualified to be a, um, a remote coach, Fiona. Um, <laughs> how did you get involved in dressage and equitation? I grew up in Tasmania, which is that small island to the south of Australia. And I didn't realise anybody grew up there. I thought you got born there and then you jumped onto the mainland pretty quick. And <laughs> Not in your case. When, <laughs> yeah, when I was about 20, I escaped. Okay. <laughs> But my family are all still down there and it's a lovely, lovely spot to um, to go home and, and have a bit of a relax, that's for sure. Um, but I grew up, you know, bugging my parents for a horse until I was probably about 11 and then we got a horse which was completely inappropriate and promptly put my father's hip into about 10 pieces from memory. Um, and I, I went on then and grew up and, and did um, some hunting and a little bit of eventing and a little bit of showing, all of that stuff that um, kids enjoy doing. And when I was about 20, I moved to Sydney and got the dressage bug, which I'd always steered well clear of, and discovered that as I got older, I didn't want to, um, you know, leave the ground over the over the jumps quite so far anymore. And just fell in love with it, fell in love with, I guess, the discipline and the um, the beauty of it and the the actual, you know, the time it takes and the schooling and the training and and the bond that you you build between um, between the horse and yourself. Now, do you have any formal training yourself, Fiona? Um, I'm not qualified with any of the um, NCAS schemes in, in Australia. Um, I'm currently also trying to do a law degree, so that leaves a little less time for, for other study at the moment. Um, I actually left left riding for quite a few years and, and followed my career, and now I've come back and, and you know fallen in love with it all over again. So you did some competing, did you, along the way? Yes, nothing... Um, Nothing huge, and look, I, I haven't ridden at any you know great or exciting level. But I guess what what my other careers in in marketing and um, product management have given me is a very good, um, very strong communication abilities. Right now, when did you start start up the remote coach? Um, remote coach has probably been an idea for about two years, and it has become a reality in about the last eight months. So what is it you mainly address then with the clients that you have and are they come are they from all over Australia? Yes, look I do a lot of face-to-face -face coaching in in and around my hometown of Melbourne and I also do 
um, the remote coaching with people from all over Australia. So I work with riders from probably your intro level through to your first level primarily. And I have a lot of clients who uh, have either come back to riding as adults, maybe after children and, and starting their family, or are in a position now to be able to follow the dream they may have always had as a child but not not had a chance to take it up as a child. Well, one of those things, of course, they, that everyone has to address at some point in their riding, uh, whether they're amateurs or professionals, and certainly the vast majority of our listeners, of course, are competing at the lower levels or enjoying the sport, and not at Grand Prix level. And that, of course, is confidence. Uh, so That's right. I, I think you've got some tips then about confidence and, and you know, how it fits and what you would use as tools to coach people into developing confidence. Yes, look, I do a lot of work with, with nervous riders and I actually find that some of the most rewarding work that I do. And I also find that confidence is is something that you can often address even before you're on the horse. So, you know, ensuring that the horse you have is, is a good match for you, um, making sure that, you know, time... Time, you know, horses take a lot of time, they take a lot of money and if you're going to be doing this, you know, it's something most of us do as a hobby and we want that time to be spent enjoyably, not, you know, not gripped with anxiety and fear. Um, so making sure that your horse is a good match for you is a really good start. You know, perhaps if you do have some confidence issues, something that's freshly broken isn't the right choice. So choosing the right partner for the journey. Um, also, having a bit of a look at how you are in your daily life. Um, are you someone who tackles any problems that come up in life with a, you know, let's sort it out attitude? Or do you prefer to wait and hope that someone else fixes it for you? Now, there's obviously no right or wrong in um, the greater scheme of things with, with however you, you um, are like that. But it's important for you to recognise that because that sort of also comes in with how you're going to approach issues with your horse, whether you're going to just want to curl up in a ball and hope it all goes away or whether you're prepared to work through it with the horse. And and I see a lot of that, a lot of people that may not be quite um, well matched with the horse. Right. Well, give us some uh, ideas of how you overcome the, you know, the lack of confidence with the, your clients. Sure. So I work with them to ensure that particularly on the ground, the horse respects them and respects their space. So if the horse doesn't have that respect for the person on the ground, there's probably not a great chance that they're going to have it once you're on your back. And I find that once people feel that they can really have that horse's respect on the ground that they feel much more comfortable about getting on. So one of the things I, I actually do is, is make sure the horse really respects your space and quite often I find horses that are a little bit a bit pushy on the ground, a little bit just not paying attention of where their person is really. They, they don't think that they matter so they just go all over the top of them. Um, one of the first things I ask clients to do is, is not to let their horse in their space for a week. So if that involves them jumping up and down and looking like a bit of a madman for a moment and making the horse take a jump step back out of their space, um, that's what happens. And 
you know, they sort of, people will turn to me and go, oh, no, look, he's put his head up and, and he's scared. And I went, yeah, but he's looking at you. So he's now aware of you and how much space you need around you. And within two or three goes of that, the horse is actually way more aware of where the person is and is starting to respect that space a little bit. Now, what level of riders do do you mainly uh, have as clients, Fiona? Probably up to about your first level um, in the States, which we'd call novice in Australia. Um, particularly in in Victoria, we have a great association called um, the Adult um, Adult Riders Association, which is a, a group of it's like Pony Club for grown ups. Basically, they have rallies once a month, and you can ride from what they refer to as Grade Five through to Grade One, which is sort of around that novice elementary level or your first second level. Um, and it's a very um, it's a great organisation because it's fun and it's not official competition and, and a lot of the what I'd class as adult amateurs are really enjoying that. I'm not quite sure why it doesn't work in other states in Australia, but certainly in Victoria it's a very strong organisation. Now, do you work with para-dressage riders or do you have to have a qualification in Australia to do that? Um, I don't, and I'm not entirely sure of what the qualification is, but I um, many of the para coaches in Australia have some some kind of bodywork background, so they might be physios or osteos, um, and I think that's obviously very important when you're working with para dressage. But again, it's another thing that's that's very much growing in Australia and I believe around the world. So um, it's it's great to see. I know I have a couple of good friends who have very good friends who are doing um, quite well in para-dressage at the moment, so I really enjoy following them. Okay, great. So uh, lots, lots of confidence issues that can be addressed, Fiona, and they can find out more about what you offer Remote Coach on your website. You have an active, right. active website there, Remote Coach. Uh, well, well, it's a blog, isn't it? WordPress.com. That, that- yeah, that's right. There's also a website now which is remote-coach.com and, of okay. course, the Facebook page. Okay, Facebook as always, of course. All right, well, thank yes. you very much indeed for joining us this week, Fiona. Thank you so much, Chris. And there will be a link to Fiona's website on our show notes at dressageradio.com. Well, that just about wraps it up for us this week. Of course, the holidays are looming upon us fast, so I think just to get into the spirit of it all... I'll play you out this week with some music from Templeton Thompson, who, of course, is a great friend of the Horse Radio Network. But one final note before I leave you this week, and that is that we are fast approaching the 400th episode of all the shows that I do here on the network, and I want to thank you for all your support in helping us reach this milestone. And if you want to leave a message to mark this anniversary, you can do so on the Facebook fan page, and also you can send me an email to chris at horseradionetwork.com. And please also mention if you would like me to read this on the air. Well, that wraps it up for this week. I want to thank you all again for listening. I will be back at the same time, same place next week. So until then, I'll leave you with a festive message from Templeton Thompson. I'm wishing you a very Merry Christmas And hoping that you're warm and home and safe Surrounded by your herd Singing peace on earth And happy ye holidays Well, the snow was softly falling on the pasture 
There's a holly wreath hanging on the barn. Jingle bells are jingling, lights are all a twinkling. Christmas time is coming to the farm. Yeah, I'm wishing you a very merry Christmas and hoping that you're warm and home and safe, surrounded by your herd, singing peace on earth and happy. Holidays, yeah. The Christmas tree is loaded up with presents, and the kid and me just love this time of year. There's no dream too big for dreaming. Ain't nothing like the feeling when all the ones you love are gathering near. So I'm wishing you a very merry Christmas, hoping that you're warm and home and safe, surrounded by your herd, singing peace on earth and happy holidays. 